Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today. Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello, and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting uh, knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and we are here to empower you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around us, and always you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Uh, this is not being streamed live. This is recorded, so we're not taking any calls, but you are still able to uh, share with us. You can visit the Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook, and uh, listen to archive shows, share your comments about show topics, or even suggest show topics if you would like to. That's the Pastor Lorenzo Neal Zero Network on Facebook. Also, visit uh we are on Twitter uh at zero net at zero radio is the show handle my handle is at Lorenzo T Neal so either way you can get in touch with us and all social media outlets that we are available on uh you are available to share with us and if you'd like to leave an email send us an email you can send it to info dot z m e at gmail.com. That's info.zme at gmail.com or Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail.com. So, uh, happy 2020. Happy New Year to everyone. This is the first broadcast of 2020, and I'm excited because this is going into ten, year number 10 for the Zira Today radio show. In June, the Lord Wills will be celebrating 10 years of doing this broadcast. So I'm excited about it. I didn't think I'd be going this long. <laughs> so be looking forward to some things that we'll be doing uh, throughout the year as we celebrate this wonderful milestone of this radio broadcast ministry. We're grateful for it. We're grateful to you, our listeners, and everything. Uh, what was I about to say? I, I lost track of my, my thoughts just that quick. Uh, it's been a crazy year, crazy start of the year. Uh, I, um, Mississippi weather is crazy. It's kind of like schizophrenic. <laughs> My apologies to those who may have taken that uh, as offensive. Uh, I'm very sensitive to, at least I try to be sensitive to, um, 
mental uh, illness and those who suffer with that. And that's probably not the best uh, analogy to use to describe the weather. It's just, it is just un- well, seasonably unusual. Let me put it that way. That probably was the best way I should have said it. Um, so we got few, last week, uh, right in the new year, we got a few few inches of rain, about five inches of rain, and my house flooded. And uh, I'm grateful for uh, people who care enough and uh, readily uh, accessible <laughs> to get the house cleaned and get the water all vacuumed out and the carpet all steamed and cleaned and deodorized and uh, so I, I, I do some of my podcasts, I podcast and this radio show I do from the home, and um, I'm just glad to be able to sit in a dry office in the house <laughs> and record this broadcast. It's the it's, it's that let let me know this is a going to be an interesting year, man. <laughs> but it has been well so far, and I'm grateful. And um, I'm looking forward to exciting things that happen in 2020. So uh, there are several things that have gone on, and I, I I wanted to talk about a lot of stuff going, closing out 2019, close and bringing in 2020. I did not do my usual end of the year reflection or program. Uh, I was just a bit distracted by some other things that happened, um, some deaths of friends and family that just kind of had me out of sync with what um, I could have done, and I just paused and didn't do anything. I, I wanted to make some videos. Matter of fact, I recorded videos to go up on YouTube, YouTube, and uh, did not did not post them. Uh, I did do the recording for uh, the podcast to be your differentiated self podcast. And speaking of that, if you have not listened to it. Uh, go listen to the Be Your Differentiated Self podcast with Dr. Lorenzo Neal. It is available on all of your podcast outlets, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, wherever you can get your podcast is on there. And we'll be rolling out a new episode um, coming shortly. But anyway, I, I didn't do much uh, closing out 2019. I did a watch night service and I posted a poem that I wrote on both my website and uh, my Patreon site. Um, I, I wrote that and I, I, I actually performed it at uh, a watch night service. But um, so much that happened. Uh, continue. Uh, I want to ask you to continue to pray for Dr. Tony Evans and his family. Uh, they said goodbye and laid to rest the beloved mother, Lois, wife, uh, towering figure in Christendom, and uh, great support. If I get married, I want a wife like Dr. Uh, Lois because she literally bore the brunt of ministry for Dr. Evans, and he credits her with his successful ministry, raising of his children. Um, I watched some of the funeral service, and I listened to her son uh, eulogize her, and I listened to all of her her children offer the stones 
that they had figuratively representing something uh, connected to her spiritually. Um, legacy, spirituality, faith, or I can't recall, but uh, each one of the children who are all in a ministry of their own, probably uh, people are more familiar with Anthony, the singer, and Priscilla, the actress uh, and speaker. But uh, their son, uh, what is his name? Uh, he 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 was retired football football player. He he gave a a wonderful true tribute and eulogy to his mother. That was probably one of the soundest scriptural eulogies I've ever heard. And uh, I'm not I'm not aware if he's in ministry or not. He I, talking like that. I'm sure he is. <laughs> but they they had a wonderful had a wonderful homegoing celebration for her. And um, I'm glad that she lived the way she lived and um, her testimony of faith will be one that will continue uh, in the time to come. Uh, Also, and Going into 2020, closing out 2019, I talked about uh, Pastor John Gray, the relentless church, and the, the conflict, the feud, uh, the beef, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, between Redemption Church, uh, Pastor Ron Car- Carpenter, and Relentless Church, Pastor John Gray. Uh, I, I, On my YouTube channel, I talked about the notice of eviction and the plans, 2020 vision that John Gray presented to his church, and and it it's come to pass. They will be, uh, they have uh, redemption church filed or that 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 corporation filed eviction for relentless church, and I I I kind of followed it and the the hear the the details about it were not kind of disturbing, but it goes back to something I talked about regarding novice pastors and novice ministers starting churches. And This is something that every pastor needs to be aware of, if, particularly if you're an independent church, if you're launching your own ministry, and if you're going to be sharing space with another ministry. A lot of churches are doing that. They're shared space. They don't have their own uh, place to worship, and so they share worship space with another church. I, I've seen churches merge successfully like that, where you know one church adopts another church, and eventually the two become one congregation, which is the initial impression that all of us had regarding redemption and relentless church. Well, honestly, I just thought that Pastor Carpenter literally handed the church over to uh, Pastor Gray, but it turns out he did that, but Pastor Gray, in turn, started a completely separate ministry that he named Relentless, and that stemmed the conflict or the confusion, whatever you want to call it, that is happening now. So they not only will have a new campus to worship at and launch a new church in Atlanta, 
but they uh, there's certainly a lesson learned for for that ministry leadership team uh and I wish both well uh carpenters and what they are going to do because there was a lot of issues with transitioning and being an itinerant pastor in the Methodist tradition, we learn how to handle that because we don't know how long we'll be at a church and transition for congregations is sometimes smooth and other times it's it's not as smooth and the incoming pastor has to put in a lot of work. The other time the pastor incoming pastor doesn't have to do any work because the church is uh runs pretty solidly without <laughs> interruption. But in any case, if you are a new pastor or you're a pastor that's seeking to plant a church, launch a new ministry, and if you're going to be in shared space, um, do the necessary research legally. Make sure all things are in order regarding incorporation. All contracts, make sure that they are not just not just signed but notarized and make sure key leaders are fully aware of all pertinent things regarding the functioning and operation of the member. And members also need to be aware because I, I think the, the hardest hit thing were members. And, yeah, they may have sounded excited about Vision 2020 with the new plant and you know all of that stuff. They may sound – but I, I, I am quite sure at the same time they were a bit confused as to how could all of this have happened. Um, and sometimes even the most well-intentioned leaders make some very terrible mistakes. I've done it uh, early in ministry, and we all learn from it. And for those who let that be an example of what what needs to be done, what should be done, that really can be preventable. So that that goes on. Uh, what else? There was something else I'm missing. There was something else that I uh, blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Well, I I guess I'll go ahead and talk about this. The United Methodist Church um, to split over homosexuality and the same-sex marriage issue and uh, same-sex loving clergy and that issue. And, and this hits home because being part of the Methodist uh, faith and family uh, We are full communion AME, AME Zion, CME United Methodist uh, Wesleyan Naz- Church of Nazarene all, all of us are uh, Mostly Wesleyan tradition Churches uh, And to see this issue Come to Such such a, 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 a bad space is, is troubling. I read an article that was published, and let me see if I could bring it up. I, I read it earlier this morning, and it talks about the good intentions of white liberals that promote 
or produce issues like this where small issues that are not doctrinal. You know, historically, the church is split over doctrinal issues. The, the Reformation uh, of Martin Luther was doctrinal. And uh, a lot of churches, a lot of churches split over doctrinal issues. And in, in some, in a lot of cases also, churches split over administrative issues. Uh, I, I can give you a, another example of doctrinal issues. The Church of God in Christ under Bishop C.H. Mason and the Church of Christ Holiness under Bishop C.P. Jones. And they had a, they, they both believed in the holiness movement, but then they split over the issue of speaking in tongues. And then more recent history, we have the full gospel Baptist splitting from uh, the National Baptist, Progressive Baptist, uh, those bodies, largely because of doctrinal issues regarding spiritual giftings, um, glossolalia, speaking in tongues, whether, uh, and probably a little bit doctrinal, whether the church should function in an Episcopal manner with bishops, even though those churches are usually congregational and autonomous. And uh, so that was a doctrinal issue. So uh, historically, most churches split over that. The issue of the LGBTQ community in in churches is both doctrinal as well as social. And this is the biggest contingency. Uh, the, maybe contingency is not the best word, but this is the biggest dissonance. Uh, this issue is largely in the West social and outside of the West is doctrinal because you have those who are literalists when it comes to scripture or traditionalists when it comes to the Understanding of scripture regarding marriage, same-sex attraction. They're they going to stick to what the Bible says. The Bible says, <laughs> they'll quote the Leviticus, they'll quote uh, Romans 1, then they'll find others as supplemental scriptures that don't directly imply uh, what Leviticus 18 and Romans 1 suggest. They don't re- directly imply that, but you know, they suggest supplemental scriptures to bear down on, bear down on the fact that uh, homosexuality is an abomination to the Lord. But here in the West, it's it's no longer a doctrinal issue, and um, you can on either side you can find scriptures in support of and not in support of recognizing homosexuality, not just as a lifestyle, but as, uh, as some people say, as a spiritual gift. <laughs> I don't buy into the second one, but there's some arguments for that. Um, don't ask me to give the arguments because I can't. I am aware, and I, and I, 
I'm not able to articulate, but I've heard uh, of some. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. So, but in in the Western context, in the Western church, largely it is social, because as in, in here in the states, once the United States Supreme Court um, made a ruling regarding the constitutionality or the unconstitutionality of some of some state laws regarding same sex not just marriage but um mostly i think it was regarding the benefits uh and i, I if i'm wrong please let me know and feel free to share uh the details uh, regarding that decision but anyway once the united states in uh made that ruling, the social issue for most people was concluded. That was the end of it. Uh, As it became legal for same-sex attracted couples to marry in all states, and it was not mandated that churches uh, or religious bodies be forced to acknowledge that or force their clergy to officiate in weddings, uh, same-sex weddings. And so in the Book of Doctrine and Discipline for the United Methodist Church, as well as for the African Methodist Episcopal Church and many other Methodist bodies, there is a section regarding that we will still uh, not honor, well, not honor, we will still not officiate or recognize uh, same-sex marriage. Well, we we can recognize it. Once you marry, you marry. Uh, in a legal sense, but as far as the religious aspect of it, we will not allow clergy to officiate same-sex marriages, um, and in most cases, they cannot hold their wedding in churches or church-owned buildings or anything of that nature. It's restrictive in that sense. So the fact that the social component has rolled over to the doctrinal component and created such tension that the the church decided that the only way for full resolution is to to, uh, divide, to split. And this is what makes this so unique. the, the United Methodist Church, by and large, has been become, has become a largely liberal leaning, I guess you can say, uh, regarding acceptance and all of that, uh, and welcoming and affirming and all that stuff. Now, our, our church, the church that I pastor, we are welcoming, we are affirming of you as an individual. And your sexual orientation, gender, identity, or any of that has no bearing on you being able to worship with us. Now, now, if you <laughs> if you join the church and you're uh, a person who has that attraction and you say you're called to ministry, the restriction will be that um, you can enter a ministry, but you must... Um, abstain from all um, 
sense of sexual immorality. And, and that just that, that should go for all of us preachers, because I know I've I've fallen in sexual immorality. I know uh, other pastors have fallen in sexual immorality, and you know some of us have been chastised for it. Some have gotten away with it, but that is neither here nor there. That just to to put that on them because they are openly practicing same sex attractive clergy. Uh, the restriction is that um, if you're going to do so, try to do so in, in a way that promotes holiness, at least. And the backlash about that is, well, we love who we love, and I can't help if I love that person and I want to be in ministry. Uh, you should allow me to function in my ministry gift in, with an ordination, and that's the other dispute. So they are going into this, the United Methodist Church is going into the General Conference 2020 with the intent to separate. Now, you can go to the Christian, not the, yeah, the Christian Post, not the Christian Recorder, that's uh, the AB paper. And I'm sure the Christian Quarter has the article also, but the Christian Post has some responses from clergy regarding this. And largely, um, it's positive. But you got to understand, um, one one response was, when this legislation goes to the General Conference later this summer, they, they are recognizing they've had months of discussions regarding this, debates. And so this is nothing... Uh, out of the blue, this didn't come out of the blue. This matter of fact, this has been going on literally for at least uh, the last decade and a half, if not longer. And and again, it's largely uh, split between the Western Church and the non-Western Church. Those churches in Africa and Latin America, which are becoming, I mean, those. Ch- Churches are, I mean, Christianity is exploding in Africa and Latin America. They're exploding because these people, they understand, they they have fire for the Lord, for Scripture, and they are the ones who, are, who once they have been discipled a particular way, continue in that same way. Whereas the West, you know, once we've been discipled in a particular way, a lot of times, we find ways to try to improve that way that becomes <laughs> that leads to other ways that uh, stray from the original way, and that is it. But the article I was talking about um, initially, that before I got off on that tangent, was uh, posted by Red State, and the the title is just another example of the white. Of the lies white liberals tell themselves about diversity. Now, give you honest, you know, clarity. Red State is a conservative uh, media outlet, so their perspective is skewed towards conservative uh, perspectives regarding faith, country, and social issues, and just the language in the title. 
already lets you know white liberals <laughs> you know should tell you that you should you read this with a you know take in the information but don't take it as uh absolute this is a perspective but one of the things i do like they they bring in the idea of colonization particularly how colonization led to Christ, uh, how christianity led to colonization that led to these nations um, rising up with empowerment. And think about the Black Liberation Movement under Dr. James Cone. Think about the Liberation Movement of Central America in the late 80s and 90s. And these were this this was propelled by a greater understanding of the word of God as it applies holistically to humanity, not just to doctrinally, dogmatically to a religious organization. So when liberals, when those who colonize these these areas under the name of Christ did so with the intent to make them better people and presented um, presented the gospel as a way of maintaining colonization, even after colonization was being broken up. So the good people were still going to be followers of Christ as long as they stayed within the constraint of religious social order. And once they got empowered through the word of God and the religious social order was deconstructed, you couldn't control them. Colonialism uh, could not be controlled, could not be maintained. The idea, not not just the, the regimes, but the idea itself could not be contained. And so the idea of multiculturalism gets in, uh, introduced into the body, and those persons love the idea that they're a multicultural uh, entity. Until the culture isn't as multi as they believe it to be, so they they say y'all getting out of line, get back in line. If you don't get in line with with what we say, and then it's our way or no way. Get out of it. <laughs> Uh, the, I, the one thing about the article, the, the author writes that can't, he couldn't recall the time that he, that a white friend went to a black church, and they had the same experience. That the black church was just amazing. The worship experience was amazing. You know, the shouting and all of that, and that was their contextual understanding as well as praxis, experientially of the black church worship experience and that was it that's what they limited to and then it's like well at the same time these white folk don't really know about these black folk outside of that context or that is the only context that they want them to remain in <laughs> um, so anyway the article again titled um United Methodist Church split, just an example of the lies white liberals tell about themselves. 
themselves about diversity. You ought to read it. It's pretty interesting. And even though, again, it has that slant to it, it does uncover um, the idea of how some white folk want some black folk and black churches to stay in their lane, stay in their lane, which is our lane, because we created the lane for you. Don't create your own lane. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, I'm going to ask the question, uh, are we facing dangerous – are pastors facing dangerous times ahead? Um, what should we be concerned about as clergy going into 2020 and into this new decade? What, what, should, we, what should we be concerned about? That's the question I'm going to be asking, and um, I, I think I have some ideas. Take a quick break, be right back. So if you're not aware, I am a very, very curious person. I'm always trying to learn new things. And um, so I recently learned about Skillshare and it's opened up so many doors for me on learning how to be a better creative person. I've learned, I've taken classes on uh, creative writing, on my podcasting, on my YouTube videos, all of that. It has come in handy. And I would strongly recommend you, if you are trying to improve on any skill that you have and you want to go from being a hobby to uh, make it a pro, <laughs> I, I, I want to invite you to go to Skillshare.com. Uh, Skillshare.com is where you can go to learn all kinds of things. They have workshops on everything that you can imagine, photography, videography, uh, writing, anything that you can think of. You can find it on Skillshare, so and I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna really love it. It's it's worth every single moment, every single class, and you'll you'll love it. You'll greatly greatly enjoy it. Go check it out. Skillshare.com/slash/zero today radio. Have you had issues with your credit and you've been wanting to know what you can do to make it better, make it higher, get better stuff, get more stuff? Well. We have an answer for you. Evidence Credit Evolution. That is the answer that we have for you. Evidence Credit Evolution offers you real credit repair that's quick and secure. There's no subscription affiliated with it. You only pay when negative items are removed from your report after joining. There's a one-time fee for lifetime enrollment and $25 for every item deleted. Learn more by visiting myfes.net slash E-Mcovery. That's my f e s dot net slash e m c c o v e r y. Or give her a call at six six two three seven two two one two five. That's Evelyn's Credit Evolution. You'll be glad that you did. I'm Dr. Lorenzo Neal, and I speak with my fellow clergy about a way to enhance your life and ministry. Are you looking to better connect with yourself and those you minister to? When was the last time you explored your emotional intelligence and health? I want to offer you my service as a coach and counselor. I've developed a six-week coaching program with a specific focus on self-differentiation. My background in education, leadership, and community counseling psychology gives me a unique look 
to the connection between our emotional wellness and our ministry. Blending spiritual principles with a family systems approach to ministry, I will help you become a highly self-differentiated person with a ministry that is engaging, liberating, and transforming. Contact me at PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com to schedule your first session with me. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and working with you to serve this present age and to fulfill and engage all yourself to do your master's will. Blessings. Yeah, at first I thought it was just the stress of moving. Hey, I was using that. Think we own stock in the electric company? I will turn this car around right now. There's nobody back there. I was becoming my father. <clears throat> it's been an adjustment, but we're making it work. You know, Progressive.com makes it easy for us to get the right home insurance. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto. You're listening to Zira Today with Dr. Lorenzo Neal. Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal. It is 2020, 2020, 2020. I don't even know. That that didn't make any sense. Yeah, just disregard the last one. <laughs> no, just <laughs> have a little fun today. Um, so uh, uh, this is the first broadcast of 2020. We're looking forward as we go through this year. Again, if you missed the first half of the broadcast, this is year number 10 for the Zero Today radio broadcast. And I'm excited. We got some, we'll be having some great guests coming up and I hope to have some of the former guests that we spoke to over the last 10 years, if we can get them, if they agree to come back on the show. <laughs> We've had some really interesting guests. Uh, but we're going to be doing some great things coming up, leading up to the official 10th anniversary in June of 2020. So I'm excited about that. And again, we welcome you to join us on all of our, all our social media. We are on Twitter at Zero Radio. That's the handle for the show. My personal handle at Lorenzo T. Neal and Zero Network on Facebook and wherever else we are. I hear my dog in, in outside ready to come in, but he'll come in later. I, I'm going to finish this first. <laughs> I'm not a mean dad. Just so you know, I'm a good puppy doggy parent. I really am. Anyway, so uh, we 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 have entered 2020, and it's already started off rough for some. I talked to pa- Pastor John Gray in the Relentless Church as they will they have been officially uh, issued eviction papers, so they'll be finding it well. I found they probably have already located a new space, and they they will be moving to a new space, but they will also be planning a new church in the Atlanta area. Um, then we had last year Pastor John, I mean Howard John Wesley, who's the pastor of the Alfred Street Baptist Church in 
uh, the D.C. metro area, uh, announced at the beginning of December that he would be taking a sabbatical beginning at first Sunday of 2020 or January 1st, 2020, and going until Easter um, because there were some things that he needed to do. He needed to rest. He needed to focus on his doctoral studies, and he, he wanted to uh, feel normal, I guess you can say. He wanted to have that sense and spend more time with his family. And just uh, last week, uh, another pastor um, in where uh, another pastor, I, I, I think, I, I want to say it's in Pennsylvania, but uh, he announced that he would be resigning after leading that church, his home church, as a matter of fact, that he would be Indianapolis. Okay. So he passed it. What's his name? Um, I'll hold up. I'm pulling this up on uh, the old black church. Pastor John Gert. Gerton, is it? Pastor John Gerton, Pastor G, as he's known. Um, announced to his church that he would be resigning and he's um, excited about what has done. He, he stated that they did 15 years worth of work in five years and that it bore on him. And it bore on him to the point where he's like, I can't take it any further without suffering myself. And um, he stepped down, and but he's going to stay on uh, and help with the church in uh, finding the new pastor and uh, mentoring that new pastor in the work of the church there at Christ Missionary Baptist Church. Um, and then there was another article about Todd Bindley. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Todd Bindley. Todd Bindley in the late 90s, early 2000s led revivals. He was a lead figure of this um, semi-organic revival movement in some Pentecostal circles, and and he was he he, he was well known and had thousands attending his revival services. And it later came out that he wasn't as holy <laughs> as he preached. He had an affair with, uh, I think, his secretary. He divorced his wife. He he spoke, he got, he had tattoos, you know, he was already, he didn't look like a preacher, but it, it was later discovered that he didn't behave like one also. So a lot of people, uh, a lot of people tried to call him to accountability through his leaders, and they seemed to kind of not want to do it. Eventually, they sat him down, and uh, for many, they thought that would be sufficient, but it didn't. It actually drove him to do a little bit more outrageous things. And eventually, as reported by the old black church, uh, they have declared him disqualified from ministry. Uh, his his uh, mentor, uh, Michael Brown, I think that's – he's part of this new apostolic uh, movement 
and and you know all of that. So they declared him what a lot of people are trying to do to Trump, declare him unqualified, <laughs> disqualified. Trump got impeached, <laughs> but he has not been removed from office. And these folk have said, we ain't just impeaching you, we removing you. Um, and largely because he refused to give in to what was behooved to him to to do regarding holiness and the, the ministry and the integrity of the ministry and all those affiliated with the ministry. And he just didn't do it. He was like, I'm going to do me in so many words now. But uh, after the investigation, they found so much that happened. And I, I watched a, a video of a young man who was affiliated with his ministry and talked about how he tried to be a whistleblower regarding the ministry of, of Ty Brown and the behavior, this immoral behavior that he, he was ex, um, displaying, and nobody was listening. And that young man eventually left, uh, being a part of Todd Bentley's ministry. But Michael Brown, who apparently is one of the leader leaders of the um, organization that Todd Bentley is uh, affiliated with, said that um, he's not qualified for leadership after they investigated uh, the all the things that were said, but now were deemed credible. So I guess this is their form of church rebuke. And not only that, there are more allegations of uh, sexual misconduct among clergy. Um, one past one uh, pastor in Virginia got 60 years for uh, an inappropriate sexual inappropriate relationship with a, a teenager. Another pastor uh, was recently arrested down in Florida for decades of alleged sexual immorality with young boys and girls under his ministry. And for decades now, not just not just uh, one or two, this dozens, and that people were aware and they did nothing in the first allegations that were investigated did not uh, find sufficient resolution or evidence to bring any charges, whatever. And now this pastor has, thanks to the whistleblower on social media coming out and saying what he said, this pastor has been arrested and indicted on criminal charges of sexual misconduct. And, of course, you know, we hear... I heard the stories about the uh, one of the bishops here in the states and um, uh, Catholic bishops here in the states. And so I, I was asking the question after reading all of this. You know, are, are, are clergy in danger? Are we really in danger? And and let me interject myself into this because I'm fully aware um, that we as clergy we have a unique experience in life. That it's very difficult to to articulate what we are faced with and challenges that we endure or are approached um, 
on a daily basis. And that's not just in the sexual arena. Yeah, we have more stories of, and I grew up hearing about the stories of uh, pastors with, with sexual immorality, and I, and I am one of those. I have, I have been one because I ain't gonna lie. Since I've been divorced, I have not been sexually pure. You know, you know, so I can't, I can't try to spout tout me as being one. You know, I maintain sexual purity. No, I, I have not. So uh, I, I can't use that argument. And and it goes also with fiscal management or mismanagement. The more we hear about clergy mismanaging funds of the church or taking advantage of members with manage, uh, you know, money or all kinds of things. Uh, the most recent uh, bishop, bishop, bishop Victor Cousins, pastors. Uh, a church in Ohio, and if we talked about this last year, the scandal that came with him and a young woman that he was allegedly in, engaged with, but turned around and married somebody else, and she went to social media to put him on blast, and it was picked up by uh, several YouTubers, but pro- more prominently, uh, Larry Reed of the Larry Reed Live and for some reason, Larry Reed Live gets a lot of stories. Uh, him, this other guy, King Jives, uh, those two are the ones that I, I, I follow them on, on YouTube. And I tell you, I don't see how they keep up with all the drama that happens in the church. Um, but he has, he came under scrutiny for that, and a lot of members left the church. And then it was revealed that uh, going out of 2019 that uh, most of the indiscretions that led to him experiencing whatever he experienced has now went, uh, seeped over to the fiscal thing. And the bank was saying, look, we can't do nothing until y'all sit him down and get rid of him or whatever it is. Uh, they were demanding that the church take action regarding his leadership over the church. And I think they scheduled a vote. The The leadership of the church scheduled a vote. But he locked the doors. He changed the locks. <laughs> sure. Allegedly. Uh, that's what, the, that's what the, uh, they were saying. And Larry Reed spoke with two young ladies who went to social media to um, make that announcement but but the question I'm at, I'm bringing the reason I'm bringing that up is because are we as clergy facing dangerous times I mean we have set ourselves up and I'm speaking generally uh in in a broader sense possible that while there are many of us doing well serving the Lord with joy and gladness loving the people are serving leaders you know under shepherds to Christ as Christ loved the church so we love the church and we love Christ but that's not making the news per se what's making the news is those of us who we got to do bad stuff to make the news um, we got to be in inappropriate relationships in this age of social media and I'm guilty of it so I again um, 
we have to be a little bit more <laughs> better stewards of how we utilize social media because a lot of times we you know we just don't know folk are watching us and we may not think we're known and i'm 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 using the the thoughts of Paul's writing to the church Galatians chapter 6 as I speak about this I'm taking myself into consideration because I may not be facing it now uh, what some are experiencing but I may face it eventually and um, we know historically that (laughs) that has happened but in this age is it are we more at danger now because of the the accessibility to us in a more um, personal way. When I was growing up, you know, the preacher was very revered. The pastor was very revered. Preachers, period, were very revered. And not that they couldn't do any any bad. It's just that the bad that they did, people had enough love to say, I will we'll cover it. But now in this age of the uncovering, I, this is a the apocalypta, the uncovering, uh, as I see it. In this age of uncovering, the the reverence is no longer there, and people are hungry to see us fall, to see us fail. Um, and some preachers want to see other preachers fail, and it's a sad state of affairs that that is happening but largely i think it is it's due to again in a very broadest sense that reverence that people have for us putting us on their pedestals and and not seeing our humanity or diminishing our humanity uh has has brought this on because this generation of believers this generation of christian believers are not putting their faith in the preacher as much as they are putting their faith in the hopes that the preacher is well equipped enough to be able to differentiate it themselves from what they are. They want personal preachers, and they want to see preachers who are vulnerable and transparent enough to be human. And that's why so many people were given accommodations to Dr. Uh, uh, Wesley when he stated that He's going to take a shalah. He's going to take a selah. He's going to take a break. He's going to take a Sabbath. He's going to rest in a sabbatical. And um, and more people praised him for that. And more people are saying preachers need to do that. Preachers need to be more aware. In my personal life, uh, when I was struggling with some things emotionally, uh, I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I went to a counselor. And mind you, I was being trained to be a counselor, <laughs> to be a therapist and all of this. And uh, I went because I couldn't articulate, even as I was learning how to interpret and, and help others understand what they were experiencing emotionally and be able to empower them through strategies and things like that. I myself was not able to do the same for me. And when I went to therapy, that was probably the most vulnerable moment. Now, I've gone to therapy over the years. 
I went before I got divorced. I went after I got divorced, and I thought I was doing good. And then I had another issue, particularly in my romantic area, that needed to be addressed, and so I went back. Um, but it's that vulnerability that helped me uh, with my pastoral ministry. I'm I I'm able to be transparent with my members and be personable without with them without getting all my business out. You know, I can share what I'm struggling and how I'm experiencing it emotionally without fearing that that vulnerability is going to come back to bite me. In this this day and age, I believe we need to have pastors who are equipped to be able to do that, who are equipped enough to be transparent and vulnerable, yet still walk in the authority that God gives them as pastors and clergy. Um, so that my role as pastor does not um, degrade my humanity as pastor, but my humanity as pastor does not um, lead me to indulge in the sins of humanity as pastor. And and though we will all sin, we, we will sin by thought, word, and deed. It may not be, I know for most people, when it comes to the sins of the pastor, it's always sexual or financial. It is not always that's not the case. We sin about the word and deed. So we might not steal your money. We might not sleep with your wife or your girlfriend, your daughter, or whoever else. But we sin because of our condition of being born in sin. We are sinners, not be, because of the behaviors or the actions. We are sinners because we were born in sin. We were shaped in iniquity. And the grace of God redeems us through the work of Christ on the cross, that salvific work. I feel like preaching right about now, <laughs> but I'm not. So I have been, I have taken on the task of empowering not just clergy, but lay also, but but I specifically clergy, so that they can better serve this present age. We are in danger of losing who we are, not by way of the giftings, but by way of our humanity, if that makes any sense. Uh, but we can do better. So uh, uh, if uh, those clergy, I, I really want, I have this service, counseling and coaching specifically for, for clergy that I believe will help. And yes, this this is a plug, but it's also a means of empowerment. You know, I want to strongly encourage if you're a pastor, if you're a clergy person, preacher, evangelist, apostle, prophet, whatever you may call yourself, be vulnerable enough to find help. Get the help that you need. If you're struggling sexually, go to Sex Lovers Anonymous, <laughs> you, you know, Sex Addicts Anonymous, whatever it may be. If you're struggling with alcohol, gambling, or any other addiction, go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Go to Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, whatever it may be, get the help. And and if you're struggling with mismanagement, step away from the church for a while and learn how to, you know, be humble or, you know, be bad enough say, I, I can't do it no more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, you know, the reality is you need to be aware that God wants to empower you to serve this present age. You have a calling to fulfill. Do all that it can within your power to do his 
his will. And you will not escape. This is the reality. You will not escape the world. The world will come at you with all its temptations, with all all the things that it has to offer, just as Satan came to Jesus when he was in uh, after he had fasted and came to him with those temptations. And Jesus was able to use the word of God to overcome that. So must we also use the word of God, find a spiritual discipline and habit that we can practice that will engage us ourselves so we can better engage those we are called to serve. And most of all, be accountable. Go to the Lord. The the hymn I love says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God. We don't have to hide from God. We can go through story after story in the Old and New Testament of people who tried to hide from God, and you see what happened. Um, the challenge for us in this in this age is not just to be transparent, but also to be guarded. Because it's getting dangerous for us. And even as I'm talking about this, I'm reflecting on actions and behaviors in my not-so-recent past that might come back to bite me. Will I be prepared? Will I be ready? You know, I I hope God's grace, and I know God's grace is sufficient. Um, but we just got to be better and reconcile with God reconcile with ourselves and reconcile with others so we can we can face these times because if if it's if it came down like a hammer in 2019 imagine what it can come down like in 2020 well I've run out of topics I'm surprised I went this long <laughs> but anyway I want to invite you to uh, support us on Patreon Go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. Help this show grow and go forth. Also, follow us on uh, YouTube, the Zero Channel on YouTube. I may change that name, but we'll be uploading uh, videos there. Also, go to uh, go and listen to the Be Your Differentiated Self podcast. Again, it's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all your podcast outlets is available. Visit my website, LorenzoTNeal.com, and uh, support us. And I haven't talked about my books in a while, but hey, I got books out there. Go buy them. <laughs> available on Amazon and on my website. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. I appreciate you and the time that you have helped, uh, have had. And I pray that you will have a prosperous new year. 2020 is on the way. God bless y'all.